Welcome to Episode 6 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and I've taught people how to produce original work for the stage for 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find my blog as well as my podcast. You'll also find Sally Pal on SoundCloud, iTunes, and now on Stitcher. Please be sure and share the blog and the podcast. I really appreciate the shares and the suggestions. Today's episode is a great interview with one of my favorite people, Weston Vrooman. Wes is a recent graduate of the University of Oklahoma Peggy V. Helmbrick School of Drama. His reviews in Oklahoma papers reveal him as a rising theatrical talent, referring to his most recent performance in Oklahoma's Shakespeare in the Park as comically brilliant. People who know Weston would add he is compassionate, deep, and a whole lot of fun. Wes played the role of Noah, the outsider, in Emily Adams' play, I Wish You Actually Like Me and Other Familial Impossibilities. He acts, he sings, he makes videos, and he's been the most recent student graphic designer for the Helmert School of Drama. We discuss how new voices can support diversity in casting and why he knows Swahili. Be sure to listen until the end for my new segments, concise advice from the interview, words of wisdom from George, and maybe an outtake. Let's get started. <laughs> to say welcome to Sally Pal. Welcome Weston Vrooman. Weston Vrooman. I'm sorry I can't not do that. <laughs> yeah, Wes is a recent graduate of uh, the Oklahoma University Theater School as well as... For okay. the Helmer Lab shows, I did marketing for their shows. You know, take production photos for them. I do their graphic design for the posters and things like that. Basically do the marketing for the smaller shows of the school. How did you end up doing graphic design? Is that something you've done for a while? That's something that I, well, I did a lot of film editing. I mean, like with you in your class, actually, when we made one video with all those. Yeah, that's when that started. I remember it well. I think that was eighth grade. Yeah. Great Ever since then, I love like editing videos and making videos. And they had just started a new position where a student would market the smaller shows. My girlfriend had the job she was really good at graphic design and she was she was amazing at making videos and I loved like what she was doing and I was talking to her about it like one day and I was telling her that I was really interested in something like that it kind of sprung from there graphic design wise I kind of learned it over the summer wow can I just take a moment to make a plug for arts in education of course. I mean, seriously, you've been doing this stuff since you were a little kid. Do you think that's impacted your choices? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. The school that I went to, Hon Hall, you know, it had a very small theater program. Right. It was the most important thing in my life. I don't know, yeah, definitely plug for art. <laughs> now that people are cutting funding, let's talk really briefly about your involvement in original work. I've done a couple of festivals over the years, OU does a student playwrights festival every year, and it is student-written, student-directed, student-performed, student-designed, 10-minute plays. Yeah, I think I attended one of those. I think you yeah. definitely did it. That was great. I loved it. Yeah, it was so much fun to do and uh, be a part of. Definitely goes to show, you know, that stuff is very important. Having that be something that this university puts out on, like, an actual stage. It's really nice to see. It's something really cool, I think, that we're getting funding for that. 
Uh, Lewis Broom, is he heading that program? Yeah, he's still heading that program. Over the last few years, the curriculum at OU, it's definitely enlarged that. Lewis Broom has come in or Skype sessioned in a couple times for the class. You know, they're bringing people in now. That Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Of course, I've seen you in other things as well. Um, Emily's I Wish You Actually Like Me was where you created a role, and then that play got picked up by Heller Theater and produced the following year. Emily said this enough times um, that it's become a mantra for her, that you made the role better than she wrote it. I love that play, and I, I will let you know, I kept messaging her about sending me the PDF of that play. She did it several <laughs> times. I would keep asking her for it because as I would take classes like directing classes, I've directed at least three different scenes from her play. You're kidding! Put it in my class, and I've shown it to my students. They're all a fan of, of this. Well, that's, that's a great segue because one of the things that we were going to talk about today is writing and performing characters who are outside the norm. And I think that's so important. And you and Emily, I know, have talked about this. And in the theater, only slightly less so than in the movies, we seem to have a hang-up on size. Among other things, it strikes me as odd because really theater as part of the art scene needs to be on the cutting edge of everything. And what's more cutting edge than someone who's on the outside looking in? Hot topic always. I mean, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about and it's something that is very important. It doesn't make any sense when you think about it in that way. The fact that we all hung up on, on things like that. or Why uh, do you think that is? I don't I don't have the definite answer for that. I don't It's like for instance Hamilton came out and it's written to where all these ethnicities are able to play these roles. It should be played that way. I think an audience still see those races. In Chicago, they have King George as an Asian man. Yeah. And the director of my school went and saw that performance and he said it was amazing. He said King George was amazing. But he said him being Asian completely changed the entire show. Really? Which was so strange to me. He said that they, they used it in a way to where it changed the entire show, and it really sent a different message, which is cool. Stuff like that is just so interesting. You know, whether or not you, you know, you give in to that mentality or you don't and you kind of, like, battle it. Yeah. Well, I know as a director, you're often looking at your audience and thinking, how are they going to receive this? Exactly. Yeah, and we've talked about the audience being the last collaborator. There are several classic plays that are written a certain way, and they're written to be certain people. But now new plays are coming out, these contemporary plays, where it's not written in the script that they're a specific kind of person. It's not written that they have blue eyes and blonde hair. Are you thinking of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not written that way, and so if it's not in the script, I believe that should, it could be playable by anybody of any race. I mean, that's how it should be. If it's, you know, if it's not supported by the script or if you can't, you know, take that out. Yeah, I was definitely talking about <laughs> Look at the pieces that we do in community theater, and we call these old chestnuts. I mean, everybody does Importance of Being Earnest. Everybody does Neil Simon. Everybody does Rodgers and Hammerstein. That's beautiful. It's wonderful that we have those pieces, but it's also part of the problem because we're not promoting new original works. Actually, it's starting to happen. I shouldn't say we're not. That. But we need to be supporting 
plays that could be played by anyone. For instance, the role that you played, the boyfriend of one of the sisters in I Wish You Actually Liked Me, that was an anybody character. And you nailed it. You created this really gentle soul, funny guy, little uncomfortable in this awkward family situation. Yeah. And it just did not need the very classic look. Mm -hmm. These need to be ordinary people. It's not like I think there can't be beautiful, ordinary people, but I think when the focus is on casting, <laughs> you know, let's be real here. If the stage is a mirror, maybe that's the problem is we don't want to see what we really look like. That might be the problem, honestly. With a role like that, he was just an everyman character, and so it did not matter that I was a big guy. And I loved that about the role. He was coming in from the outside to this world where people were really hung up on image and managing that, that to me is an interesting conversation for us to have in the theater. Yeah. How do we keep from hiding people with disabilities? Mm -hmm. One of Will's best friends at Houston is in a wheelchair and she's a playwright. Is she writing specific things? She has, she and Will met at the VSA playwriting competition. They both had pieces selected for readings at the Kennedy Center. And it's a nationwide competition that reaches out to students to write plays addressing disability. Nicole's was drawn from her own life. I think she almost always includes a character with a disability. Cool. Because she got encouragement along the way. But we don't really see people encouraging student playwrights the way Nicole has been encouraged. And Will and Emily, whose high school teacher made a class for playwrights, gave out a playwriting award. If we don't start getting people to put out that original work, we're going to continue to do those pieces that have been written for a particular type. E even something like Hamilton may fall into the abyss by, you know, it can't be played by a fat person. It can't be played by a person in a wheelchair. This male role can't be played by a woman. I think we'll start to miss the point if we don't keep pushing the envelope. I agree. I agree. It does come down to support, you know, in the arts. Different people that need to tell a story. They need to tell their story. I love it when playwrights are writing things that no one has any eyes on. You don't see theater that much with people with disabilities in them or people in wheelchairs. That needs to be seen more. Absolutely. Well, tell me about your acting. You've won all these acting awards. You've been burning it up at OU and now you're getting ready to go out into the real world. What advice do you give to someone when they're preparing a role? And have you ever run into any kind of prejudice when you've auditioned? Oh, man. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I've run into prejudice because, you know, I've been lucky at OU. But what I've learned there that has helped me tremendously, my biggest lesson in acting that I've gotten is to know actually what I do look like to other people. Um and kind of use that to my advantage instead of trying to not necessarily ignore it. But when I was a freshman in college, I never used my body. I never used my, you know, because I'm a big guy. I never yeah. used that in anything that I tried to do or any audition. And ever since my junior year, I have just, I had my eyes opened to the fact that me being big is not necessarily a hindrance if you kind of accept it and you use it to your advantage. 
that's me saying I know what I look like to an audience, and so I'm I'm kind of like feeding the problem in a way. I might be. Um, I'm hearing in your speaking that it sounds like you feel like it's sort of selling out, but isn't it also in a way collaborating with the audience and saying I you see who I am and I see that you see that having a conversation almost about it. Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could be. It could definitely be seen that way. I I use I def, like anything I do now. I definitely find a way to use my body. It's something that's there and it's something you see right away before you hear my voice, before you see what my, you know, tactics are in a character or anything like that. You see my body walk out on stage. We're filled with an industry of people that don't like to use their body in that way. Right. You're a physical comedian. (laughs) That may be something that you can affect in terms of change. I would love to see that because people like you and Emily and Nicole, you have such body confidence and you are comfortable in your skin Mm -hmm. and people see that, then they become comfortable with all kinds of people, right? Mm -hmm. You are deceiving the audience already. The whole thing's already an illusion. So, So why not expand the deceit to allow the audience to see more of themselves on the stage? Completely agree. Completely agree. 100%. You know, people walk into the theater, they don't think they've walked into someone's bedroom until they suspend their disbelief. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you wouldn't walk into someone's bedroom and say, okay, (laughs) let me see a scene. That'd be kind of (laughs) weird. Right. Say more about what you think needs to happen. Do you think this is a grassroots thing that's happening already? Do you think more theater companies need to get involved, more schools in promoting of open writing? Or open plays? Open writing, open plays. I think that's a nice term for it. Personally, I have started to see it kind of happen already in a way where people are having these conversations that we're having right now. I think that's a step, definitely. I, I think this problem of closed casting and, and all that is it's a long road. It's a long journey. I don't know where it will go, but I know that at least in the school environment, I know that it's being addressed and it's it's constantly being brought up and it's constantly becoming a topic of importance. Why do you think that is? Why is that happening? Why is that happening in schools? Yeah, I think it's great, but I mean, I'm just curious. What, what do you see? I think it's because students are starting to, uh, you know, college students we're all starting to realize that it's not okay and that something needs to happen. Like there are stories that are not being told in theater and there are people that are not being represented in theater at all. So I, I, I just, I just think that people are, are finding that that is an issue. Theater needs to be for everybody. And I think people are finally figuring out that that's not happening right now. Do you think that the success in Hamilton is going to change how people do this. Like I remember when Hairspray came out, it was like, Oh, thank goodness. Now we're going to see some fat girls on the stage. And that didn't happen. You know, I think that's the problem is that, yeah, if there's a show written where you have to cast a fat girl, you're going to cast a fat girl. But what about an open role? I think that that is the right step because Hairspray is you cast big women in that show. But yeah. it's it's written specifically for you to cast big women in that show. And so that's still very closed casting as opposed to something that should be for everybody or can be for everybody. I think that that's the next step that we need to take. But but a successful run of something like that, like Hamilton, is interesting because, man, that show, you know, that show blew up. Yeah. 
I'm interested to see what happens in the future with that. I think audiences were more accepting than uh, that conversation about the Asian King George notwithstanding. I think audiences are more accepting than producers and directors think they will be. I think they don't give audiences enough credit for what they actually can see on a stage or what they can't see, you know? I think that that's being noticed, though. I think that that, or I think it should be, at least. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if we, you know, directors and, and producers, yeah, I think directors <laughs> and producers aren't figuring that out now, then that's just a bummer. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, Did you watch the Tonys? Oh, you know, I have it recorded. I have not watched the Tonys yet. Rather than show a scene from the plays that were up for best play, they actually had a playwright for that play discuss the play. Really? Yeah, they brought the playwright out on the stage, and the playwright spoke about their play. Oh, that's so cool. Like, did that go over well? I don't know. I haven't really read any articles about how people responded to it, but it was very well done. And maybe the more women playwrights we see, and the more people of color that we see as playwrights, and the more people with disabilities as playwrights, maybe as the field opens up, we'll see more stories that are more reflective of a broader community. It seems like everybody's got to be on board this train. I said, yeah, it's definitely, it can't just be one facet. It has to be all the cogs. How do we get the whole machine operational? What kind of things need to happen? Well, I think it might be slowly happening, but, you know, the operative word in that is definitely slowly. Did Emily watch that? She actually did not this year because she did not have a TV. I was house-sitting for my daughter in New York, and I thought about going. I had so much trouble finding parking in front of her building. There I am in the same city, and I'm sitting here with the cat, watching it on their Hulu (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) One after another of the actors receiving the awards was a beautiful or handsome white person. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, this this isn't reading well. I don't see America up there. I see a very narrow band. Mm -hmm. And that was a little disheartening. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, like you said, it's changing slowly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In England, I have noticed that there's a much more open sense of casting. And I look at the types of people that are in movies made for the BBC, and I've been there and seen plays, and, you know, the actors are so regular. They look like your neighbors. I love BBC. (laughs) Yeah. What keeps us from being able to do that? What keeps us trapped? I mean, what do you you think keeps us from that? That's a good question. I just don't know. I think that's why I keep asking. I'm like, what are we afraid of? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe what needs to happen is we just need to get out of a habit. It's a bad old habit. Hard to break, man, you know? And I think the audiences are starting to realize that these outside-looking-in stories, they actually relate to people more because we've all felt that way. I think they're just different stories that need to be told, the different stories to tell that we haven't heard in a while or that we haven't ever heard, you know, because we keep producing classic plays, you know, whether it's because of the ticket holders or... Everyone's guilty of that, though. But you, but some people take risks. I just think there's there's no way for us to produce new work if if there aren't people on the ground floor really just putting it out there. I love I love it when when playwrights are writing things that no one has any eyes on. Like you don't see theater that much with people with disabilities in them or people in wheelchairs. And like that needs to be seen more. Um, actually total non sequitur on your LinkedIn account. I find that you speak 
Swahili. Speak Swahili. Broken Swahili. Who does that? I know like some terms in Swahili. That's okay, what, say, I know some, some say something in Swahili. We'll okay. test you. Test okay. your knowledge. This is my favorite phrase in Swahili, and I will get this if I ever in my lifetime get a tattoo. Okay. Samahani njokumbatia. What does it mean? It means please give me a hug in Swahili. Oh my god. That's honestly all I need to know in Swahili to have a good time, you know? <laughs> Tanzania, right outside Mwanza, in mm-hmm. Tanzania, Africa, and is this little orphanage that an alum of my high school set up there and went there for two summers. And the second time I went down there, I got to like set up a theater program for the kids, actually. You know, we played all these games. It was so cute. At the end of my time there, they had secretly met with each other and they put on a play for me. Like a secret play that I had no idea they were doing. It was amazing. Needless to say, I was I was in shambles. I was bawling. There was a point in time in my second visit where they were teaching me Swahili. Yeah. And like halfway through my visit there, they kind of like cut me off of all English because they knew how to speak English to me. They were like, we're going to teach you for a week and then we're just going to speak Swahili to you. Wow. Yeah, my my time there got a little more difficult, but uh, it was fun. That's one of the phrases that I remember, definitely, in Swahili. Do you find that you are impacted by that in your art? Oh, 100%. I, you know, honestly, I will go back in my lifetime, and like, honestly, I would, I would still live there. I've never been to Italy, but I know, mm-hmm. like, Italy and Africa, the way that they perceive time is so my way that I perceive time. I could so relate to that. <laughs> We were in Italy, and I was like, ah, we'll have dinner whenever. Let's take a nap first. Uh, yeah, we'll just have, <laughs> I'll have a dinner for five hours. This is my day. That's how I operate. I feel like I would thrive in Italy. I, yeah. <laughs> I really, really need to go there. I can learn how to say, you know, give me a hug in Italian. That is so you, Wes. That is so you. Hey, listen, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Oh, me. Thanks for having me. I do have one last question. Do you have any advice that you would give to someone who's doing a new production, whether they're an actor or producer or director? Whatever? Yeah, I mean, my only advice is keep making more. Keep writing, keep performing, keep doing what you're doing because it's not unnoticed. But it will take time. That's my only advice. Thank you so much. I just love you. You're heading to Chicago when? Heading to Chicago around September, October, around that time. We'll be looking out for you. I will talk to you more later. Tell your mom I said hi. I will. It's now time for concise advice from the interview. Ooh. A short version of the best tips from my guest. Get up. Get up. Today, I have eight great bits of advice from the comically brilliant Weston Vrooman. Wes's advice for audience members. Support local playwrights. For directors, take a chance on open casting. For playwrights, tell your story and keep writing. For actors, know what you look like to other people. Accept your body and use it to your advantage. For everyone, Support the arts in schools. And the number one bit of advice from Weston Vrooman, try something new. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Thanks to Wes Vrooman for taking time out to talk about how new voices can support diversity in casting and for asking for a hug in Swahili. 
Next week, I'll post an interview with Lisa Wilson discussing her remarkable one-woman play, Birthing the Crone. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The PAL stands for Performing Arts Lab. Check out my blog. It's sallypal.com. Be sure to share with your friends and anyone you think might be interested. Also, you can find Sally Pal on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Stitcher. Of course, you can always find the blog and the podcast on my website, sallypal.com. Look for my posts on Twitter and Facebook, and be sure to let me know how you feel about Sally Pal the blog or Sally Pal the podcast. If you like it, press the like button. And if you really like it, please do share and help me get the word out. All the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Thanks so much for listening. The podcast and the blog benefit from your comments. Sally Pal episodes are posted on Monday evenings, so spread the word. Toward the end of July 2017, look out for my free ebook on organizing your production. I want to help you learn to produce and direct your own shows. It's what I do, and you can too. Think about you. Now it's time for Words of Wisdom with my husband, George, the coolest guy on the planet. George, do you have some words of wisdom for us today? It's easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. Wise words indeed, George. Wise words indeed. There it is. La la la. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. <laughs> so like introspective just... over here. Just looking <laughs> out in the sky. <laughs>